favorite season. What's that? Bojack Horseman. Oh, I am yeah. so excited. I love that show. I, I love that show. Oh, just that trailer you sent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. I was like, oh man, I'm going to cry at that episode. I know, exactly. <laughs> that's a thing which, like, a show that's about anthropomorphized, like, animals is the most human thing that's being put out. It right really now. is. It's, it's so, like, such a moving comedy. Right. Yeah. It's, like, comedy and, like, co- like, quotation marks. Yeah, I think it's probably, like, mm, I don't know. It's probably not as depressing as I'm thinking it ought to be right now, but right now I'm saying it's, like, second most depressing like animated thing i've seen after grave of the fireflies yeah yeah but that's just like but, nothing will ever replace that spot like for that in my heart <laughs> like that movie is just one of the most like heart-wrenchingly tragic like things put to animation i've ever seen in my life i, I don't know i still haven't seen waltz with Bashir, so that's gonna uh, be <laughs> i haven't seen that one another either, one but... of those ones that's like yeah, animation that will just absolutely destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all right. Well, are we ready to go? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, Dennis. And as always, I am joined by my two colorful uh, rainbow, really, co-hosts, um, Cullen and Craig. How are you both? Doing well. Uh, I'm feeling rather uh, cyan today. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just just trying to pick a. Color. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm like I, I ran out of adjectives. And so okay. Like, I well I'm feeling Colorful quite that's cerulean. What I got. Yeah. I'm feeling quite I cerulean today. With cerulean. <laughs> oh. Nice. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> No, we're just, we were just on the same line of like thinking of the most pretentious colors. Yeah, we could. Right, right. <laughs> well, if you're trying to think of the most pretentious color, you'd go with vermilion. Yeah, vermilion. Yeah, that's pretty pretentious. <laughs> um, well, welcome back to our director's block featuring Cohen Brothers. Um, this week, um, so so glad uh, Colin picked this movie. Burn after reading. I just finished watching it before you guys showed up, and. I can't wait to talk about it. It's yeah. Yeah. fucking amazing. I watched it this morning. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, 7 o'clock this I, I morning. I love this nice. movie. <laughs> oh, there's a reason I chose it. Even though Fargo is my favorite, Burn After Reading is one of the ones that I most wanted to like have a conversation about. Yes. So. Yes, please. So so let's get into it. Um, Osborne Cox, played by John Malkovich, is a CIA analyst who is fired from his job at the agency ostensibly because of his drinking problem. He tells his wife he quit and wants to write a memoir about his life in the CIA. His wife, Katie Cox, played by Tilda Swinton, wants to divorce Osborne, and at the counsel of her divorce lawyer, she copies many of his personal and financial files off his computer and onto a CD. Katie happens to be having an affair with U.S. Marshal Treasury Agent Harry Farrer, played by George Clooney. The CD is found at Hard Bodies, a workout gym. An employee of the gym, Chad Feldheimer, played by Brad Pitt, obtains the disc from the gym's custodian and believes that it contains classified government information. Along with his fellow employee, Linda Litsky, played by Frances McDormand, they intend to use the discs to blackmail Cox. Linda needs the money to pay for cosmetic surgeries. They call Cox in the middle of the night, but he is not receptive. Chad and Osborne arrange to meet face-to-face to discuss a $50,000 payment for the safe return of the CD. Chad gets into Osborne's car, but the meeting quickly descends into an argument with Osborne punching Chad in the face. Chad exits the car, and Linda suddenly appears in her own car, and they give chase. Linda then rams Osborne's car in a fit of rage. 
Frustrated by Cox's manner, Linda decides to take the information to the Russian embassy. At the embassy, she hands the disc over to the Russians, promising that she will give more information afterwards. Because Linda and Chad don't have any more information, they decide to break into Cox's house. Harry Farrer, while married to a children's book writer, is a playboy dating many women from the internet. By chance, he hooks up with Linda, who is also an internet dater, and they begin seeing each other. Harry is proud to show off a homemade device he saw pictured in a gentleman's magazine. Harry has also noticed someone seems to be following him as there is always a dark car close by. Meanwhile, Osborne returns to his home only to find himself locked out because Katie has changed the locks and transferred all the bank accounts in a final move in her secret divorce proceedings. He sleeps overnight in his sailboat. Chad stakes out Cox's house and breaks in after Harry and Katie leave after a daytime tryst. Harry returns after a jog and accidentally finds Chad in the closet and shoots him in the face. Harry, thinking that Chad was a spy, disposes of the body. Days later, his paranoia increases after murdering Chad. Harry leaves the Cox's restaurants after a fight with Katie. On his way, he manages to tackle the man who has been tailing him for some time. Harry finds out that the man is working for a law firm hired by his wife, who is later revealed also to be cheating on him. The next morning, Harry and Linda meet at the park. Linda mentions her friend Chad has been missing. When Harry realizes that Chad is the guy he shot at the Cox's, he becomes paranoid and flees in terror. Linda's manager at Hard Bodies, Ted Tefren, played by Richard Jenkins, is sympathetic and agrees to help her get more information from Cox's house for the Russians. Osborne, angry and drunk, breaks into his own house with a hatchet. There he finds Ted rifling through his computer. Osborne shoots and wounds Ted, who stumbles out of the house. Osborne grabs a hatchet and attacks him in broad daylight. At CIA headquarters, Osborne's former manager, David Rash, and his director, played by J.K. Simmons, try to sort out what happened. Chad is dead. Ted is dead. Osborne is a vegetative state and dying after being shot by an agent while attacking Ted. Harry has been arrested trying to board a flight to Venezuela, but the CIA director suggests letting him go. And Linda has agreed to cooperate in exchange for the CIA, financing her plastic surgeries. The baffled CIA agents then decide that they have learned their lesson never to repeat whatever it is they did at the, in this case, though they are not clear as what it was that they did. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, movie, this movie reminds me of Dr. Strangelove. Kind of in, in a, a way, but, but if Dr. Strangelove was just fully populated by complete morons who have no idea what they're doing or what anything is happening. Well, it kind of does. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh. I was like, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's quite a bit of that. That's, that's like, lab, it's I mean. that and like, it's like, surveillance is kind of our atomic weapon of our era. You know, everyone's so paranoid about surveillance by the government and everything. And this this movie is totally about that, you know, where it's just every, every day Joe Schmo's being like, oh, this is top secret CIA shit. Like, <laughs> we can extort someone with this, you know? And it's absolutely nothing. It's like, nothing. Yeah. It's a mem- isn't it a memoir? It's his memoir. Well, it's, well, it's, it's a, a mix. It's, it's like the files are mixed up because part of it is his, like, the first drafts of his memoirs and but the rest of it is his financial information because she's preparing for the divorce. So when he's looking at the stuff, it's just like numbers and, like, names and, like, charts and, like, Numbers, yeah. like, <laughs> names, <laughs> but I, I think this is like we were talking about Fargo being like the Coen Brothers' least nihilistic movie. I think this might be their most I would nihilistic movie I would because the entire movie is a joke. Like you get to the end, like all these people have died, and it's all completely meaningless. Right? 
Like it, it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like it, and it's it's hilarious. Like J.K. Simmons' scenes in the movie, like they just sealed the they're, deal they're, for me. Well, that's when the movie really gets going. Is when J.K. Simmons shows up. It, it's just the best because it's just the great, the greatest because it's like this one CIA director who's talking to J.K. Simmons, who's like his boss, and he's like trying to explain everything that's happening throughout the movie, which is helpful for the people that are watching the movie because it's pretty fucking confusing. Oh yeah, and intentionally so. Right, yeah. and um. And he's explaining it, and he's like, keeps on being like, just like automatically trying to cover their own ass. But then he's like, every once in a while, like he catches himself, he's like, wait, what's going on? Like, <laughs> what is this? who are these people? But then it's always like, once it's revealed what's going on and, and how inconsequential all of it is, J.K. Simmons is always like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well yeah, that's like yeah, <laughs> was like at the last like the last like part of the movie. It's just like him just being like, uh, well, like you know, what did we learn? He's like, well, I don't know, like not to do that again yeah. and it's like well i don't really know what we did yeah, but i, I guess we probably you shouldn't what we do did it. but i agree <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah i can't tell you what, what we did but i agree like oh yeah that's the perfect way to end this like absurd like yeah this absurd like kind of like meandering nihilist movie of like oh yeah we don't really know what happened yeah. but <laughs> for the whole first hour they're making you love brad pitt they're like Brad Pitt is like the funniest thing in this movie. He's so great. I don't know. George Clooney gives him a run for his money. I love George Clooney in this movie. But then get a run in. (laughs) (laughs) But then Brad Pitt gets shot in the face at like the one hour mark. Oh, yeah. Exactly the one hour mark. And right after that is when J.K. Simmons is introduced. And then we get another funniest character because it's him trying to unravel the whole thing and him kind of being the audience's gateway into, oh, yeah, this all is totally meaningless. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? What the hell did they have? It's just, it's the best. I feel in a lot of Coen Brothers, well, in all Coen Brothers movies, there's these victims that are just victims of circumstance. They just, they didn't really do anything to, like, really deserve what happened to them. Yeah. And it, like, but they usually get the worst outcomes. I mean, he was breaking into someone's house. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was a risk that was, yeah, that was, it was very imminent. Yeah, and it's... I still feel so bad for that character because no, he's, oh yeah. he's obviously in love with Linda and she like refuses to see it or like acknowledge him or anything. And he's I don't even, th- I don't think she, I don't think he is in love with Linda. I think that, um, Wait, we're talking about two different people. Like you're talking about the, I'm talking about the manager at Hardbody. Right? Oh, sorry. I'm talking, talking about, about Brad Pitt. Pitt. I'm talking no. about Brad Pitt. I, oh, I thought you guys were talking. About no, no, no. no. Thought, well, he's another example. Cause of you were movie. talking about like the most like, Oh, downtrodden or like right. guy who didn't deserve it. But, well, yeah, they but he, are. yeah, yeah. They both are. But I think the guy who most didn't deserve it is the manager at Hardbody. Right. And like, yeah. he gets murdered with a hatchet. Like, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, yeah. But, uh, going back to Brad Pitt's shooting, that was a really interesting, uh, kind of Chekhov's gun scenario. Oh yeah, because the whole movie he's they says, never actually I've show never the gun. Yeah, my firearm when like like twenty years with the service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never even think about it. Um. So yeah, that was the point I was making there. With that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. That's yelling over you. <laughs> 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 but, oh, man. Um. I um. This is another example of like some of my favorite Coen Brothers dialogue, like how they uh, characters have like like lines that they repeat throughout. Uh, um, Clooney's line of like after he like sleeps with a woman, he's always like, "Think I get a run in." <laughs> yeah, he's always like wanting to exercise and get right. and run. And then when he's like starting to spiral out because of the paranoia, he's like, "I just need to get some exercise. I haven't gotten a good run in a while." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoy how a part of this is the people that are in the intelligence agencies 
having like so much less of an idea of what's going on than these like complete and total amateurs. Like they don't know like what it is that they have or like what they're doing with it. But for some reason, like they always seem to stay like a step ahead of like these intelligence like agents. Like it's kind of weird, like how like this, yeah, surveillance, going back into like the surveillance thing of this movie, how like these people, like their paranoia kind of gives them this little bit of edge because they are just, I don't, I don't know. They're just like constantly like looking for like a way in and then a way out towards the end. And so I feel like it's like, for some reason they just seem like, it seems like they're always like ahead of the actual people who are trained to do this work in the movie. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about Linda and yeah, Linda, yeah, and, yeah particularly yeah. Linda and, um, and Brad Pitt, Chad, Chad, Linda and Chad, like are always have the upper hand over Osborne Cox, who yeah. like seems to be like this guy's an analyst for the CIA, at least a formal one. Shouldn't he be able to like track them down immediately? <laughs> yeah, but he's <laughs> a terrible they're, they're drunk. Such idiots. Like he's yeah. like a terrible drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but also like the, this is another thing I like that the Coen Brothers do is they show like his drinking and his drinking problem increasing throughout the movie because like the first scene where they show him making a drink, he's like meticulously like measuring out the rum and like oh, yeah. pouring back a portion of it and then by the end of the movie he's just like full on pouring giant glasses of yeah. like pure alcohol and just <laughs> oh that character this this movie is excellently cast i love malkovich's character yeah um, i love how i mean even down to the way that he just abuses the word fuck and like oh this movie has i think the most uses of the word fuck in any Coen Brothers movie. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Especially from his character. Like he's just like he says it in such a weird way. Just like everything about him is just so like trying to be upper New York echelon like, you know Yeah, like the well, Princeton grad or and, Virginian or whatever. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Go. Um I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, well ahead, part of that is um, John Malkovich's manner of speaking in his like over enunciation. Right. Like I, that's the thing I love. And there's this wonderful critic on uh, YouTube named Lindsay Ellis. And she has this hilarious bit about John Malkovich where she says like, he's a disgruntled Olive Garden patron, like <laughs> talking to the manager and making sure that he's understood. So he's over enunciating everything. Like I ordered extra marinara sauce on the side and that I have yet to receive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's a thespian. Yeah. I, I love uh, George Clooney's like his weird little uh, like phrases that he po pops up throughout the movie. Uh, his like uh, lactose reflux, and he's like, and he's like, is there is, is there shell food in there? Like <laughs> not shellfish, shell, shell food. food. Is there shell food in there? Uh, and then there's like one another scene where he like makes a point of saying like approximately or about, and those both mean the exact same thing. So it's just like like no, is it approximately or is it about? And it's like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> both <laughs> yeah I, I feel like the Coen brothers like always kind of do those really weird things with language that um, you know they, they, they just have like they either use words that I just really like in general like in, in the previous one um, you know unguent was like one of my favorite ones and, uh, what was the other one um, um, disparity yeah disparity <laughs> oh asperity yeah um, and yeah so they just like I love the way that they play with like language in their movies and how they use these different um, these kind of like uh, 
crap, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, yeah, these like speech patterns essentially that are just off enough, like to be like hilarious, like even given right. like a deadpan delivery, yeah. but like just like grounded enough to like still like keep the movie, like, you know, kind of like from going into like the ultimate, like ultimate level of surrealness. Right. Like they, they do a really good job of like balancing that, like this, that like little bit of absurdity in the yeah, language, they, they but like still keeping line. it. Yeah. Well, that's part of what they do with like always walking the line of like absurdity and like, like surrealism like they always are able to just like tiptoe right up to it without going over it yeah and and how it comes out is just how it feels really real to me you know in the dialogue where like it reminds me of uh just i mean you experience it every day where people don't really know the right word for something or they heard it one like said once in their life and they're trying to use it and so they just say it completely wrong and they just roll with it and yeah everyone's just like yeah whatever you know and, like usually people don't even notice like I'm, I say that shit all the time. <laughs> well, like yeah, well it's like you know before like the internet like pretty much destroyed anyone saying uh, what's that word irregardless. Right. Uh-huh. Like that was something that I used to hear all the time. Yeah. And then you know the internet got its got its claws into it and finally kind of burned that out of out, the yeah. language out of the lexicon, right. which I am definitely okay with. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it's like there's yeah those things where. <laughs> But, like, it, it, in, in, you know, to, to this movie's credit, like, it's great how it comes out with, like, especially with Chad and Linda, that they're, to me, they are everyday Americans in, in that's represented in this movie. Like, kind of, in this movie. Just just these two kind of, just idiots, you know, <laughs> who, who imagine these things that, like, they understand it, you know, they see the words, like, the acronym CIA, and uh, they think they know that something, and then they just... Like their imaginations just run away with them. You well, know? like first of all, that's true for Brad Pitt because he sees these files and like all he sees is like numbers and names and all this stuff and things. Oh, this must be classified intelligence, right? Even though there's no protection on this disc. Or yeah, it's no, literally just a, is, like a CD it's encrypted in any way. It's just a CD. <laughs> um, but then Linda, who once they fail to get things with Cox, decides, all right, let's go to the Russians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because they're in, in 2008. Yeah. <laughs> let's go to the Russians. Well, I, I mean, here is, we are back again in 2017. Yeah, so, I, know. I mean. <laughs> what I love about that is that it just like, the Russians just immediately turn it back over to the, you know, the United States. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, There's some nothing idiots here. came in and gave us some crap, like, <laughs> just so you know. And you the, know? the real reason why they didn't keep it is because there was nothing good enough for them no. to, like, get it. Like, they're just like, oh, well, there's nothing here, so we can just give this back. And <laughs> it'll be a measure of goodwill, you know. <laughs> That's another one of my favorite things with J.K. Simmons, because J.K. Simmons is, like, being filled in on all this, and he goes, the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> and then he cuts back, like, the conversation continues on, he's getting more briefed, but then he goes back again to say, the Russians? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then their next stop after the Russians was the Chinese. So, oh, yeah, they were going Linda to go was to the like, Chinese. yeah, yeah, well, there's the Chinese. It's just like, well. Oh, God. She's <laughs> so depressing. She's... I know, and all of this is so that she can get these cosmetic surgeries, and, like, her character is introduced with, like, in the plastic surgeon's office, and he's, like, drawing lines on her and doing, like, outlining the procedures they're going to do. Uh, well, she gets it at the end. She does. I I, mean, I, that's another thing. Everyone like, dies, but it's so meaningless because it's all like, well, the woman is offering to cooperate. Okay, well, what does she want? Well, she wants these surgeries. It's a bunch of things. In, and J.K. Simmons doesn't even let the guy finish. He's just like, pay it. <laughs> <laughs> just get this off my desk. <laughs> 
We should get a but sequel with that. We should get a sequel with with, with Linda's. Like, like, are they just gonna throw her in jail for the murder? Of all these people? <laughs> no, they're just give, no. They're just gonna pay for her plastic surgery to for her to shut her up. Like they're just yes, like, like here's so plastic she, surgery because the CIA is also, never talk about this again. The CIA but, is also disappearing all of these bodies. Yeah, as these <laughs> right. people, well, as she these actually, people are getting yeah. killed in the wake of this nothingness. The CIA <laughs> is like, we don't want this to become a thing with the FBI or the local police. Just get rid of it, make them disappear. Yeah, <laughs> and she, yeah, she never knows where the bodies go. Like she never knows like what happens to uh, Chad. No, like she never finds does. out. Or 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 probably. Um, well, the CIA knows because they. Right. Well, no, but Linda never like. Like, yeah. I'm sure they never disclosed to Linda, like, oh, oh yeah, by the way, not. your buddy was killed, and then your manager was also killed at the same place, you know? Like, I'm sure that was never disclosed to her, so she probably just got her surgery and just, like, went about with her life, like, just Lottie fucking da, because oh, that was really the only thing she wanted out of this entire thing. Right. Was just those surgeries. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> one of the other things I love about this is it has a thing that a lot of Coen Brothers movies where there's just like one scene or like one character that's never explained and is like totally out of place and it's this scene with John Malkovich and his dad on the boat early on in the movie where, oh yeah like, his dad is in like this vegetative state and he's like sailing around talking about like I had left my job at the agency I'm gonna write a memoir yeah <laughs> and and then, like, that scene just ends, and it's never referenced or explained again. Like, it, his dad is never mentioned again. Like, it's just this random scene that happens. I, think I mean, that's I think that's just, like, the pinnacle of Malkovich, you know? That's just, like, everything is downhill from there. But, like, from at that point, it's like, yes, I'm, I am that asshole that I've always wanted to be. You know, the memoir-writing, <laughs> yachting asshole. Um, and then it just goes to shit. Oh, yeah. Well, he ends up brain-dead at the end of the movie, so... Yep. Yeah, I mean, like nobody. I mean, really, the only person that gets what they want is like the most like is, vapid and yes. like superficial and person like, in the, the movie. Idiot is yeah, the one who ends up getting like winning. Right. Welcome to America. <laughs> I, I love it when who's who's the actor that plays the CIA director playing opposite of J.K. Simmons? Oh, I just had it. In like, my he's, he's a character that's like in he, everything. He's one of those character actors who you see in like a thousand right. things. Right. And and but he, he what he how he delivers like the information to J.K. Simmons is just great because he's just like uh, we're we're we have quite a pickle on our hands and uh, <laughs> well you see. Uh, someone got murdered, and you know, it's like, oh, well, this happened, and then um, and Jake Hazen was always like, okay, come on, out with it, yeah. And he's trying to do this stuff, and it's like kind of confusing. Well, we're hazy on that too. But my <laughs> my favorite line of his when he's explaining this is like, yeah, they they all seem to be sleeping with yeah, each other. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that. <laughs> like, they all seem to be sleeping with each other. He's like, no, get on with it, you know. It's like, and it's true. Like they they are all fucking each other. Yeah, everyone's yeah. having an affair. Like, right. Everyone except for like Malkovich is having an affair in this movie. Yep, Malkovich and uh, um, Chad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he gets Pitt. shot in the head. So yeah, he's yeah. He never he's had just, his chance. He never had his moment out. to shine. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be him for Halloween this year. Just, <laughs> just be Chad. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. It'll be easy. It would be easy. Yep. So, so I was just like wondering, just like for my own like clarification and just like. You know, for, like, reasons. Yeah. Just, like, uh, was that chair for, like, George Clooney or for his wife? No, he was making this a present for his wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that got a little less exciting for me then. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, you're like, you know, in a dream world. 
Well, but I, I love the reveal of that chair because it's another like big mystery that they're building. Yeah, up. like he's got this secret project in the basement. And he's going to Home Depot and like he's building all the stuff. He's welding and behind this cage of chain link and it's this big secret. And then he shows it to Linda. It's this chair that you sit in it. And, like, you rock back, and a dildo pops up. <laughs> and he talks about, like, I saw this in a magazine, and they wanted, like, a thousand bucks for it. I was like, hey, I could build that for a hundred bucks. It's like, so it was a hundred bucks outside of my labor. And, and the, the dildo. dildo. And the cost of yeah. the dildo. Those things are expensive. And, uh, and I, love, I love Linda's reaction to it. She's like, holy crap, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> like, Linda is, like, so, like, loving it. <laughs> Um, I love I love how like uh, Clooney's characters has developed into this like sex maniac, you know, like he's just sleeping with all these women and like making this like fuck chair and um, yeah, that's end of story. Uh, <laughs> so can we talk about Tilda Swinton? Yes. Oh god, how can we not she's, talk about Tilda? Swinton? She's amazing in this. She movie. is amazing in this. Movie. <laughs> she just plays like the most vile woman. She's <laughs> just so mean and horrible. And like, well, it's like I mean. I feel like between the two of them, like between her and John Malkovich, like I feel like that's probably like years of just like oh yeah, she's just, just like, like cold this... like marriage, like this like yeah, this them just like falling apart over years and, and like becoming just like increasingly being too more like complacent bitter. to yeah like just fucking break up and like divorce Ugh, and so like terrible yeah I feel like this has kind of like gotten to like yeah it's like that tail end where she's like okay I'm finally going to divorce him and so she just has no fucks left to give at this point and but, I fucking love it but throughout the whole thing she's so mean to like everyone and oh yeah always but my favorite I think my favorite comedic reveal in the entire movie is that she's a pediatrician. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the scene of her like, open your mouth, open your mouth, <laughs> do, do what the doctor says. <laughs> this little boy who's like got this tight seal. And like, if you don't do what the doctor says, I'm going to ask your mother to leave the room. And we're going to. <laughs> it's just so funny. She's got like a little clown stethoscope and everything. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is such a it, it's such a joke on the viewer, you know, because it's all this build up. You know, I mean, at the the very beginning, the opening is perfect because it's just all this reference to these like Mission Impossible movies and everything. You know, this pan from outer space, yeah, like, like surveillance zooming shot, down zooming into, into the CIA and to the CIA headquarters, and then it just starts with the firing of Malkovich, and this is great. And uh, it, but that's throughout, like with all the music that they have, and then like when people start dying and everything, it's like you you keep on waiting for it. it's like oh fuck, you know, like this movie. Then, then like you know jk simmons just sums it all up it's like no nothing is happening and then like it keeps going on and you're like what the fuck and then it's then like no nothing happened yeah oh yeah it's like a spy movie but like all of the stakes are just so mundane like right. it's just like oh yeah like oh yeah i had this secret thing that i want to unveil and it's just like oh it's just like this thing to try and like save my marriage it's just like this like fuck chair and oh yeah and oh like Tilda Swinton has this, is like this like crazy horrible person and she's like no one really knows what she does and then it's revealed and it's like oh she's a pediatrician and it's like all these like really crazy like build ups to yeah. reveals that are again are just like outlandish right like, <laughs> yeah no it's great outlandish and ultimately meaningless yeah <laughs> yeah I also just love like the buffoonish like energetic nature of Brad Pitt with like 
he's talking about like the people that Linda's looking at on the dating website. He's like, we should go with that guy. Like what? Why? Like that's a Brioni suit. Like he, he doesn't know that that's a Brioni suit. He doesn't know anything about that. He's like, she's like, yes. Shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When he's meeting with Cox in the car, Cox is getting like, I will take you and your little Schwinn bicycle. And he starts laughing. You think that's a Schwinn. Exactly. He's laughing. He thinks it's a Schwinn. (laughs) I love how he's introduced. He's like stretching this, like guy like way too hard and he's like ow he's like i heard something something just popped in my ass something just popped in my ass it's like you tore my ass oh no he's he's i don't know i think he might be my favorite character in it and it's just like when he gets killed it's just so like oh my god it's that same thing that the cones do really well in movies like this and like fargo where like suddenly a shocking act of violence happens right in the middle of like this other thing and you're like whoa all right, this just changed. Yeah. <laughs> Does someone die in every one of their movies? Uh, I think I think someone dies in every I one of their movies. I don't think anyone dies in Raising Arizona, but I haven't watched that in like over a year, I think. Hmm. All right, well, I'll have to watch that. Find no out. one dies in uh, Hail Caesar, do they? Uh, I don't know. I'll have to watch that again. Find <laughs> out. <laughs> um... All right, well, that kind of sums me up uh, for this amazing movie. Do we got any James Bond connections? Um, oh, wait, I have one more thing. Um, just one thing that I wanted to bring up with you guys. I was, I was thinking, because this is so, like, I don't know, to me, this is such a better um, uh, Coen Brothers comedy than, you know, the classic Big Lebowski. Really? I think, yeah, oh, yeah. I think I think it hits on all the fronts way better. Um, I don't think, that, like, the only thing that it suffers is that it doesn't have a lovable character from beginning to end. Um, it kind of jumps around. There's no, no one really that you can really get behind. Yeah. Um, but if you think, if you will, <laughs> if this came out before Big Lebowski, do you think it would be more popular? I don't know. I think it probably still kind of would have gone under the radar the way it did when it came out. Because mm. like it, this movie's so good, I don't get why people don't talk about it more or more people didn't see it. Right. But it it's really is one of those lesser known Coens that's that's so so good. Yeah, no, it's it's excellently like quotable and it just it like I don't know, to me it feels like it, it has the ability to be like a great cult film, like a cult yeah. classic film. Well, do you think like we might be talking about lines like I thought you might be concerned about the security of your shit <laughs> the way <laughs> we are about like cucks. classic lines from the Big Lebowski. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah the dude abides or whatever right yeah yeah oh i I, possibly but i I don't know what do you think craig i don't know who knows how'd you feel i'm out of my element (laughs) (laughs) damn it johnny you're out of your element yeah i guess i don't know lebowski is is lebowski i would say if you haven't watched lebowski in a while go watch lebowski no i i've said and i think part of your thing with lebowski is it's it's overhyped and over talked about like it is that good but it's the poster that's on yeah. every dorm room right and it's the the same thing with fight club or you know movies like that where it's still good it's just it's become so much of a cultural ph- phenomenon that now we're like oh we're kind of over it right yeah like i i, I love it it's a good movie i just think that this one is just, like better um uh uh, no James Bond connections that I can think of. I have a few other uh, random notes. I'll go through my uh, standard uh, little bare bones research stuff. Uh, seven point 
on IMDb, uh, 78% Rotten Tomatoes, 64% Audience Tomatoes. Really? So a pretty big uh, difference between the critics and the audiences on that I'm one. surprised it's in the 70s on the critic side. Yeah, me too. I'd expect it to be higher. Um, budget of 37 million, a gross of 154, which really surprised me. Wow. Cuz you know, it made a, a lot of money. Yeah. Even though when you talk to a lot of people, most people don't know this movie. Right. They so I'm surprised that that many people saw it or it did that well at the box office. Yeah. Um, they were shooting this at the same time that they were shooting No Country for Old Men. Oh, really? Which must have been really interesting for them shooting like this one kind of uh, as dark and as as violent as it is comedy at the same time they're shooting one of their most grisly movies they've ever made yeah yeah, yeah. the movie is ridiculous um, thanks for not picking it i love the way that <laughs> that john malkovich says memoir like my memoir good morning to write my memoir memoir balls they took my memoir <laughs> why would anyone think that there was good that there, that was worth anything I just love how Frances McDormand, Academy Award-winning actress, as her character says, I'd be left out of Hollywood with, like, my body and my face. <laughs> That's a funny line for someone who's won an Oscar. Um, oh, so when uh, George Clooney and uh, Linda go on the date to the movie, oh. um, this was one of those things like, I had to read about because I didn't catch it, but then I did, uh, when I was watching it last, I paused to catch this. You can look on the marquee of the movies that are showing, ah. and one of them is Hail Caesar. Really? Yes. A movie that the Coens won't make for another eight years. Weird. Uh. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Um, another funny thing that I really like is, like, George Clooney and uh, Tilda Swinton are sleeping. They have a uh, liberator pad, like a, like a yep. sex thing. And when he storms out on her, he first goes upstairs and gets the liberator pad and takes it out with him. He's like, <laughs> I'm leaving and I'm taking my sex pillow with me. <laughs> uh, um, and my last little thing is that this is the first Coen Brothers movie that has not been shot by Roger Deakins since Miller's Crossing in 1990. Oh, I was going to ask you that if it was a Roger Deakins. It's oh, not, damn. and it was only because he was already committed to another project that they couldn't get him for it. Did he do No Country? I don't believe he did because he was. they were shooting both these movies at the same time. Right, and he right. couldn't do this one because he was working on something else. Huh. Interesting. Oh. Yeah, with another director. Wow. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our review of no country for old men i mean, <laughs> I mean burn after burn reading, after reading. <laughs> holy shit <laughs> seriously guys if, if this is a coen's that you haven't seen just because you're like oh it wasn't popular watch this movie it's on netflix right now you can see it for free it's so it's much fun. so fun it's a lot of fun i enjoyed it um definitely one of my favorites for the coen brothers um well, I guess uh, if you don't have any James Bond connections, we'll just move right along to any what corrections and ear missions that I've you, anyone might have. Got one. You do. Um, I was talking to my dad Ooh. about Fargo. Okay. Um, and he told me a story that was related to him um, by John Carroll Lynch's dad. Oh. <laughs> and it's about um, John Carroll Lynch and Francis McDormand coming up with backstories for their characters on the set of Fargo. Hollywood connection. Uh, yes, Hollywood connections. <laughs> um, this is like a fourth hand thing. <laughs> <laughs> but 
basically what it was is like it's to explain why John Carroll Lynch like doesn't seem to like have a job in the movie is that um, they were both police officers. Oh. And like that's how they met and everything and they worked together. But then there's a rule in the police force that you can't be involved with someone who's your superior. And so when Francis McDormand gets um, promoted to be the chief of police, he can't be in a relationship with her. So he retires from the police force and that's why he spends his days like ice fishing and painting and doing stuff like that because they were together but now he had to leave the police force so that was just some backstory stuff that the actors came up with on fargo interesting my inside information yeah (laughs) that's pretty cool i like that um wonder if that'll ever happen again i mean just because we don't really live in Hollywood or know anyone in Hollywood. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we ever do another John movie that has John Carroll Lynch, which we probably will. He's you're, in everything. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask my dad if he knows any more stories. <laughs> Got any more anecdotes, Dad? Uh, all right. Well, that's cool. Um, I can't think of any corrections in your missions from Fargo or back. So, what kind of rickety wreck to the recommendations do either of you cool cats have? Um, I will recommend The Incredible Jessica James. Um, it is a Netflix original movie, and it stars Jessica Williams of The Daily Show fame, I believe. She was on The Daily Show? Yes, she was on The Daily Show Trevor Noah. For a while um and now she's been kind of like stretching out she's got a cool podcast called two dope queens oh. um and yeah she has a movie now on netflix and it's her and chris o'dowd who people may know as roy from the it crowd um and they are falling in love kind of it's like a rom-com movie but it's like a netflix original so it's you know netflix originally you know like they do have that like, huh. everything like everything that they do like it's weird like watching netflix originals because they kind of like fall into genres but then they do weird things in those genres that kind of make them not right. feel like any movie in that tor- in that type of genre yeah um so yeah like it, it is a rom-com it is romantic and it is comedic ah. um but it's also very netflixy huh. um and it is great i highly recommend it the incredible jessica james i know uh, Colin? I will recommend a uh, funnier die series easily found on YouTube called Gay of Thrones. It is a Game of Thrones recaps done by a hairdresser. And he always <laughs> has like some other comedian or actor or person who he's talking to that week. And ostensibly he's doing their hair and they're talking about Game of Thrones. But I recently learned like how this happened is that this guy's a real life hairdresser and he really does do that for a living. And one of his clients is a producer at Funnier Die. And he was doing her hair one day and they were just talking about the last episode of the Game of Thrones. And she was like, stop. We need to make this into a show. <laughs> and they did. And it's so great. Like, you gotta go on because they make up, like, pet names for everyone. Oh, yeah. I love they call Arya uh, Baby Kill Bill. Which... <laughs> Bill. They call Sam, like, Tubby Lovey. Like, uh, Daenerys is called, like, Christina because she looks like Christina, Christina Aguilera. Aguilera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is excellent. Yeah. So check out Game of Thrones, like, Game of Thrones recaps. They're always out, like, the Tuesday after the Sunday episode airs. Right on. So, yeah. That's my recommendation cool um honestly i don't really have one (laughs) this week i'm just gonna go out and say it um i just uh, have been playing uh the zelda game 
that I recommended, uh, if not last week, the week before. I think it was last week. Last week, yeah. I've just been playing this uh, just the shit out of that. That's all I've been doing. And watching baseball because my Rockies starting to suck. Um, and so that's fun. <laughs> um, and other than that, I really haven't been getting into anything that's like as far as entertainment. So I will say this, though. I, th- uh, this is an honest recommendation. Um, I think that the majority, is it safe to say the majority of our listeners are in here in this great state of Colorado? And if, if you are, and if you are available to go to Colorado, if you're not here, um, go visit the mountains. Um Craig and I were able to get out into the mountains this last weekend, and it was a fantastic time that cleanses the soul. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, like it, you need it periodically. Yeah, it's it's really hard to describe um, what it does for you, but you know, even if you're just sleeping in your car, you know, when you wake up in the morning and it's that fresh mountain air, it's just ah, like it was. It. it was like, the sleeping is a part of it. Like you just get yeah. such better sleep right. up there. It was a the thing. Like I recently had a like work weekend up at my family's cabin and even though i had a really bad cold i stayed an extra night just because i wanted that mountain sleep yeah it's so regenerative <laughs> <laughs> i think it's the thinner air it like forces your body to work right. in overdrive yeah it's just like Ugh. it just makes you trip out it's really not good for you <laughs> just kidding it's excellent um so yeah that's uh, that's my honest uh, recommendation for this week so nothing out of the classic pop culture but just go out and enjoy Life's miracles of nature. It'll feel good. Um, yeah. If um, that's it, uh, I guess we'll kind of close it out by letting y'all know where you can get a hold of us. Uh, you can get a hold of our podcast on Twitter at IWYTWT. Um, as well as each one of us individually on Twitter. I'm at the TheDebucks. I am at Catharticus. I am at Cullen Munch. And you can find all of our episodes on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash IWYTWT. And as well as any podcast listening app or venue or vehicle or, or skywriting or skywriting. CB radio oh. or, or smoke signals the new thing we're doing is we are having transcripts of the podcast printed on the side of city buses oh. that are driving around so you can catch like parts of the podcast on on buses right on. so watch out for that yeah i'm talking to some graffiti artists to start tagging up the buildings along the train corridor um, so it'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll be writing over the new episodes as they go and then it'll only work in one direction. So hope you're going in the correct direction then you'll be able to read our episodes. Yeah. I've been working actually on Morse. So oh, I've been, I've been, I got a guy. Nice. A guy. He's yeah. He's just like <laughs> sitting at a, t- at a table all day. Cause I mean, by the time you are tapping out this entire episode, it's a week, about, a week has gone by. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, if, you like, if, you like, if you Especially like, if you like, if you like real slow, stop so many times. Yeah. If you, if you're into like real <laughs> slow listening, you know, like if you're into like, you know, like that Swedish show, like where they just show like a train for like eight hours, like <laughs> just check out our Morse, our, mo- our, our Morse, Morse media. Episodes. We've got our Morse media, like for, uh, for the podcast. But wherever you're getting or enjoying our podcast, write us a review, uh, share it with your friends, help us uh, spread this podcast around. Yeah, word of mouth is the best way to grow a podcast, uh, especially one that we're doing because we're not a production company. We have no help at all. This is all do it yourself, like to the core, man. Like, seriously, it's just three guys, <laughs> three guys sitting in a house recording a podcast, making it up as we go along. And hey, don't don't just don't shatter the illusion. Studio, studio, studio. No, but seriously, help us out. Yeah. We're starving to death. <laughs> um, 
Anyways. So what's <laughs> coming up next? Are we uh, jumping into uh, foreign? Well, next week. Colin. Um, <laughs> 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 we get to talk about it. We will be kicking off our foreign block um, with the amazing... the God, words can't describe. The... the, the Epic cinematic experience. Right. It uh, might delve into a two-parter. I wouldn't well, be surprised. Two, well, we're doing two, two movies. movies. We're doing so two movies, yeah. It's Yeah, there's a very good chance it could go into a two-parter. It's very possible that this could be a two-parter. And it, we're doing Bahubali, guys. Bahubali. 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 Um, look it up. It's currently on Netflix. For the love of God, watch this movie. I can't recommend it enough. Seriously. I really can't. Seriously. Um, uh, honestly, we started watching it ironically, but before too long, I mean, what, within five minutes or so? Yeah, it was just like... Quickly realized that this is the most entertaining (laughs) thing that I've seen in years. I mean, it's crazy, but it's just so epic, and, like, it has everything. And and just, let's stop talking about it now, because we're going to be talking about it in depth. (laughs) Yes. But, but yeah, check it out. out. Watch Bahubali. Yeah, go watch Bahubali. Bahubali, what is it? The beginning and and Bahubali to the conclusion. conclusion. Very straightforward names. Very not straightforward movies, but (laughs) they are amazing. (laughs) They are amazing. Um, I can't wait to discuss it. Uh, We will uh, most likely be skipping our um, uh, movie pitch episode uh, for the Coen Brothers. I don't really know how. I have no idea. Yeah, so let's let's just not. I think we should just snub that unless you know the listeners demand it. Then (laughs) sure, if all thirteen of you demand that we do this, we will sit down and record one. But otherwise, we're just going to go. Yeah, we're just going to go straight to the Bahubali, which will start off our foreign block. Um, which I'm I'm very excited for some foreign films, um, so yeah, uh, check that out. Bahubali found on Netflix. Um, yes. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Um, what else? I think that's I it. Think we'll uh, see you next time. All right. Um, thanks for listening to our review of Burn After Reading, and join us next week for Bahubali. 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 Bahubali.